Sylvester. Sylvester, yeah. Why is it called Sylvester? I don't know. It's because of holiday. I'll send you a link why. Okay. okay. Tell us all why. Fine. Yeah, tell us why. Yeah, they call it Sylvester Day in Israel. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, I did not know that, no. I'll send the link. Okay, we are in Parshas. I'll send the link. Okay, great. Parshas Vayigash. Page 250. Before I talk about what I want to talk about, before I talk about what I want to talk about, I want to talk about something else. What? Siamashas. I want to just mention something about the Siamashas. Did you go? I did not go because then I wouldn't be here. And I wanted to be here. I'm just joking. I didn't go because I didn't go. Uh, it was in New York. No, it was today. Rabbi was there. There's, I mean, some. I think the actual completion of the seven and a half year cycle is it's maybe on Shabbos or Sunday? Shabbos. Hey, hey, oh, guess what? What? Thank you. Union Station Aquarium thing is open now. Right. Yeah, maybe so. next week we should have the C, um, our partial class at the aquarium. Maybe that'll be yeah. it's, it's Ma'od Yakar. 25 bucks. Well, maybe for a partial class they'll give us... Over is, it's after also being to the Shed Aquarium in Chicago right. and Very the Atlanta good. Aquarium, whatever it's called, and the... Marina del oh, what's it called? Santa Marina del Rey Aquarium. I don't know. She's sad. Okay, let me just tell you something. Okay. Ow. In the end of the parsha, we're going to talk about the beginning of the parsha. We're going to talk about the story. Yeah, I'm going to. At the end of the parsha, it talks about the Jewish people were going down to Egypt. Finally, Yosef told them to come. Yaakov's coming with his family. And Yehuda is sent by his father ahead. Why? Does anyone know why Yehuda is sent ahead? To set up a yeshiva. Because the most important thing is to have Torah study. And that's what we're doing now, learning Torah. It's the most important thing. I want to talk about for a few minutes the Siyam Does everyone know what the Siyam Hashas is? The Siyam on the entire completion of the entire Talmud. Seven and a half years. Day in and day out. If you do one page a day... Take seven and a half years. So they had the Siam in New York today. Okay? I think it was 40 degrees. Mayor Cuomo was leading. Oh, I need to put my phone 40 on. degrees. 92,000 people. 92,000 people were all coming together today to talk about or honor, to make a Siam to complete the seven and a half year cycle. Unbelievable thing. Unbelievable. Right? It's just an unbelievable. Um, unbelievable to have so many Jewish people all coming together, all inspiring, coming together for the study of Torah. And no one else, no other people celebrates learning like that. Not, not, not to that extent. Not right. this world. But it was also all over the world. Yeah, it was, I think there was a million people. And they're having one in Chicago next week. Yeah, next week in Chicago. There's having one in, maybe in Israel next week. There's oh, going to be different ones. But this is the main one in New York was um, today. So I want to tell you what... Yeah, we showed Johannesburg as well. Just for the information. Oh, really? They had Johannesburg also. I want to just tell you one story they said today. 
one story. There's just said unbelievable stories about people who, despite all challenges that they may have, wanted to, to, to study Torah. There was someone that has ALS, cannot move, cannot talk, literally no part of his body is working, finished Shas, completed the entire Talmud using his eyes only. Only using his eyes. I don't even know exactly what that means. They have some special computer set up to allow you to complete the entire Talmud just with your eyes. Unbelievable. How much mysterious snafish, how much effort people take in order to study the Torah. And there's one story that I thought was unbelievable. There's a story that someone told, or like Gold told this story about someone... Did you watch it on video? Yes, they had a video. Yeah, you could also watch it um, online. It's all over. You could watch a replay of it. If you have five hours to spare, um, enjoy. Um, if you don't have five hours, you could watch some of it, you know? How much of the speeches were in Yiddish and how much were in All of it was in English. English. All of it was in English except for a few maybe and they were words that were translated. And they were translated as, as... There was a boy 15 years ago. So that's two Siomashasas ago. They completed... 15 years ago, I believe, it was at Madison Square Garden. And there was a little boy that went with his father to the Seum. They went to the Seum, Madison Square Garden, New York, from Baltimore. They came from Baltimore. And the father told his son, let's go up to the front, to all the rabbis sitting there at the dais, and let's get a bracha, let's get a blessing after the Seum Hashas, or during, I don't know exactly when, get a bracha, um, and this from all the rabbis, all these Talmud Chachamim, all these great tzaddikim, righteous people. It's time. It's nice to get a bracha. But the boy, a young boy, refused. He wasn't interested. He's tired. He did not. He was tired. He didn't understand the importance of seeing a, a great person. Didn't mean anything to him. So the father was willing to um, was willing to bribe. you know bribe him with some prizes or praise. Said, anything that you want, I'll give to you. If you're willing to come down and get a bracha from all the great rabbis, because the father felt it was an extremely important opportunity. He had this opportunity to, for this son to see the great people and to talk to them and get a bracha. Something very important, very impressive. And he said, okay. The boy said, okay, I'll come with you. We'll get a bracha um, from the great rabbis for the prize. He wanted the prize. He wanted the present. Okay? I'm not sure how old the boy was. Young boy. And they got the bracha. And it was great. On the way home, they're driving to Baltimore, back from New York, after the Siyam Hashas, 15 years ago. The boy said, the father said to the boy, what do you want for your prize? Right? The deal was, if you go to the, if you go get a bracha, then you'll get a prize, anything that you want. So the boy said, he was thinking for a bit, and he said, you know what I want for my prize? I want you to next Siyam the next completion of the Talmud, I want you to be one of the people that complete it. Not just someone that comes to enjoy the festivities, but actually that you study. And the father was shocked. He was expecting his son, you know, a young boy, to say, you know, a new skateboard or a new um, iPad. Um, but instead, all he wanted was his father to learn. He wanted his father to do it. And the father took his son up on the challenge and he completed the entire Shas. He completed the entire thing. And at the Siyam Shas, today, they took, they showed the picture of this father, and the son was there with him too. And this cycle, they're going to learn together. They decided they're going to learn together every single day. 
That was what they decided today. I know it's what you missed one part. I missed the part. Yeah, he said it's the son checked in with the father like, almost of every course. single day. Yeah, the father is every single day. Exactly. Which was, did it. But that's that's the inspiration that you could have from something like this. That this, we see the importance of study of Torah, and that's what we're all doing here, and that's what we all um, um, want to want to add to our life as much as possible. The study of Torah, because the Jewish people, the strength of the Jewish people is the fact that we. Are stick to the Torah like like glue, right? We need it for us to live. It's our life. Okay, so now let's get to the parsha. Parsha by Yigash. So <clears throat> we were in the middle of the story. We last week um, we were talking mostly about Hanukkah, so we didn't really talk about the story of the parsha so much. But basically, we're talking about Yosef. He's in Egypt. He's the uh, viceroy. He's the uh, second in command to Paro. He's leading the entire effort to prevent this famine from destroying the entire world. Yosef is in charge. And his brothers are coming from Israel to ask for food. And they don't realize that it's Yosef. They have no clue that it's Yosef. And Yosef is not, doesn't seem to be nice to them. And, he's, um, and he um, says that they're spies. And they have to bring Binyamin. And this week they, and they bring Binyamin. And Binyamin, they're about to leave. And Binyamin is found to have the goblet. Of the, uh, that he stole the goblet, right? He stole the cup of Paro, of Yosef. And they bring him back. And now they're desperate. The brothers are desperate. They began this parsha. And Yehuda, who's, who's taken the role as, as the leader of the, of the brothers, of the Shvatim, says, please, my father's going to die if he doesn't come back with Binyamin. We need to you take me. Do, I'll do anything, but do not allow Binyamin to be killed or, or, or um, thrown in jail. And Yosef saw that they cared about their brother Binyamin, who was his full brother, the only one that was his full brother, and he realized that they did care about their brother Binyamin. They're willing to risk everything for their brother. And that's where we're going to begin. Which um, Actually, we're going to begin on the next page, 252. 252. Perek Memhe, chapter 45, Pasuk Aleph, verse 1. 45.1. See it? Philo yachol Yosef Yosef was not able to restrain himself to all the people standing in front of him. He called out and said, take out all the people. There's all these Egyptian servants and, and, and officers around. He said, everyone has to, has to re- leave the room. No one was there when Yosef was about to announce to his brothers that he is Yosef. No one was there. He didn't want anyone to be there. Why did he not want anyone to be there? Does anyone know? Why did Yosef not want anyone to be there? What do you think, Mark? Perhaps he wasn't ready to reveal his true connection to the heritage of Yiddishkeit to the Egyptian jet. He didn't want them to realize that he was Jewish, you're saying? Yeah, like, you know, he wanted to live a double life a little longer. Okay, I, that, that's a potential answer. I hear that answer. The problem I have with that is that we see right afterwards he was perfectly confident and committed to telling everyone that he was Jewish and these were his brothers. It was only the initial, um, initial announcement that he was his brother's, that this was his brother. He didn't want to show the emotion? No, something else. No, I know it. His father, that what? 
I'll give him a shot by the yeah. shot. Ready for my shot? Yeah. Um, is that he lost with he didn't want them to him to have to ask about his father in front of other people. Yeah. Why not? What's the problem with asking? I'm not sure. No, okay. No, no, ready for, no, okay, but yeah, and we'll mention the emotions. What do you mean about the? Uh, what do you mean by that? That the emotion that was so emotional. Yeah, he didn't want anyone to be there when when they had this emotional um, situation. Okay, that makes sense. What do you want to say? Is that because remember when Yosef? What happened was Yosef Widges came from, but when he came to Mitzrayim, he was he was thrown to jail, right? Correct. And how come how can he come second in command? So they had to figure out a way to do it. So therefore, Yosef said that he was so that he was. He well, he wasn't sold as a slave. He was, he was kidnapped. So if you if they were to hear that, that would have a problem. It may have an issue with him being um, second second in command. I'm not sure I understand that. Okay, well it's, it's a well it's a husband. So we'll talk about it after. Actually, he didn't want. He, he did it out of modesty for his brothers because oh. he didn't want anyone to see oh. them to be in shame. Oh, very good. Earth. That's a Rashi says, Joel. Very good. And that, that's a, uh, connected maybe to the emotion. Um, that was connection maybe to the emotional explanation. Right, the answer given by Rashi is that that Yosef was willing or felt it was extremely important to prevent the brothers from having any shame or embarrassment of him announcing in front of everyone that you are my brothers, right? I am your brother, basically implying I'm your brother, that you don't even realize that we're brothers because we have no contact because of what you did, that you sold us into, sold me into slavery, right? So there's such an embarrassment, such a shame that the brothers would feel. He therefore felt it was important to for everyone to leave. Okay? Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He cared about the others. He wanted not to embarrass the brothers. It's extremely embarrassing at this, situ- at this moment. There's something we have to keep in mind. The brothers, if we remember, the brothers really hated him. Maybe correctly, maybe incorrectly. They believed that he was deserving, according to the Torah, to be killed. That was something we discussed previously, and it's a very hard concept to understand. They really, truly believed that he was, according to the Torah law, deserving of death. At this point, the Medrash says that when he put him, when he told all the Egyptians to leave the room, in a certain sense, Yosef was doing something risky because he was risking his own life. He did not know yet that his brothers had a change of heart. It could be his brothers thought, according to their halacha, according to their belief that they were correct, they thought that Yosef was deserving of death. So if Yosef is deserving of death, who said when they find out that he's Yosef, they're not going to kill him right there? Oh, you're saying because then they're going to get killed? But if they think that this is proper, well, they might do that. I don't think they would have killed me because he was the bachelor. You're saying they would be scared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the measure says that you have to, you don't, we don't know something about the, the, the brothers. They were pretty strong themselves. We know Shimon and Levi killed out an entire city. City of Shechem. They knew, I don't know how they were so strong or powerful, but it seems like they did have, they did not worry necessarily about people being in power. So the measure says that in a certain sense, Yosef was taking a very risky calculation by kicking out everyone. And the question is, why would he do it? Fine, he doesn't want to embarrass them. But it's a risky calculation. He might be killed by his brothers. Because, if, because when he reveals it, 
and then they think about the dreams, and suddenly realize that that he was that the dreams were taka true. Yeah, and then once he has once there's full proof, there's no longer a sakana. The measure says that it was a sakana. The measure says it was a dangerous situation. They were will they had an opportunity to kill him, and he shouldn't have done that. The commentaries explain. The commentators explain that a person has an obligation to put themselves in a dangerous situation and not embarrass someone. The reason why he did it is, yes, he knew it was a risk, but it's worth it to throw yourself into a fiery furnace and not embarrass someone. That's a rule that we learn out in the Torah. It's worth it to die in order not to embarrass someone. But Embarrassing someone... somebody over what? Like, not, not over even the, serious stuff. This, not, was, this was serious. But they, not, not the extreme minor stuff. Well, it depends what it is, yeah. No one's saying that you should try to die. You try not to die. Um, and you try not to embarrass someone. If there's a situation where you're the only way, the only way that you could um, get out of embarrassing someone... What if the embarrassment is so minute that it's not worth it's a good, yourself in a... Okay, so, so a calculation has to be made. Maybe a rabbi has to be asked. Um, some people say that this concept is not a requirement. But others say, just like we, we say there's three cardinal sins that a person has to, to kill himself not to um, commit these three sins of idol worship, murder, and... Uh, exactly, sexual immorality. So too, there's a fourth one, and that's embarrassing your friend. It's better to go into a furnace in public, yeah, in a place where they're going to be embarrassed, yeah. Usually it's in public. If someone sins, you're allowed to rebuke them. That's not called embarrassing them. The point is, if you're doing it in a way that they're going to have extra embarrassment more than they're supposed to have, it's worth it to throw it on a furnace. How it's an unbelievable hard... Well, you you found a, out that someone cheated on somebody in a marriage. Right. It's an, it, if they are deserving of... So if they sinned... About the only thing I should be able to do is go to their rabbi and talk with them. But I, if I go and tell everyone in the area... Exactly. Well, that's Lashon Hara. Uh, yeah, right. They embarrass but someone. In Sota, he, he could be a witness. He could... He, he could, according to the law. Yeah, but there's no way. The point over here, this is, you can ask specific examples, but the concept is, any time that you don't need to cause someone embarrassment, or they're not deserving of extra embarrassment, and you cause them embarrassment, that's a sin. We have this, the, the concept is actually found by immorality. We find the concept by Yehuda and Tamar. Tamar was um, someone that Yehuda had an oh. improper relationship with, and Yehuda basically... Um, you know, found this girl and, and had relations with her and, and it was extremely embarrassing. And they were going to kill Tamar. They were going to kill this woman because she was pregnant with twins from a relationship that she wasn't supposed to have, a forbidden relationship. And Yehuda was in charge and said that you should be killed. Wait, wait, Yehuda told the girl that she should be killed? The halacha, they were going to have a whole court case. Because he didn't realize that he was the one that did the sin with her. He didn't know it was her. She was a prostitute, he didn't realize. It was his daughter-in-law. It's a, it's a very complicated story. But the point is that Talmud says, based on that, why don't you just tell him that it was you? The Gemara says, based on that concept, it's better for her to be thrown to a fiery furnace and not embarrass someone. She's willing to die in order not to embarrass someone. Well, she can't be. She can't throw herself in the fire. No, they were going to throw while her. While she's pregnant. Why not? 
Because then that's murder. You're murdering an, an innocent person. It's a good question, actually. Murder. It's actually a good question in halacha. If a person is, you know, deserving of death, are you going to take into account the fact that they have a, um, a child that's, that, um, you know, she's pregnant? And I believe the answer is that we do not take into account the child. Yeah, and I think a fiery furnace is too, uh, is too harsh. Okay, okay. If we can return to Joseph. Yeah, so the point is that Joseph, we see an unbelievable level of, of willingness to not embarrass someone. He's willing to risk his own life in order not to cause someone else embarrassment. His brothers, they did such a terrible thing. They sold him into slavery. They were willing to kill him. But if he's going to embarrass them in front of the Egyptians, it's worth it for him to put himself in a dangerous situation in order to not embarrass someone. Unbelievable concept. So they would live. Listen to the story. And then we'll get to Joel. Listen to the story. There was a, a, a teacher in a school and he was reprimanding some students who were misbehaving. So he put their, wrote their names on the board. The days when there used to be a chalkboard. Right? Remember chalkboards? Yeah. And he wrote their names. They still have some, but usually it's whiteboards now um, with markers. Uh, and he wrote their names, all these boys that were misbehaving on the board. And he said, all the people that have their names on the board, the six names, are going to have serious consequences after school, after class. I'm going to deal with you. Meanwhile, the principal came into the classroom. The principal came into the classroom and was, was trying to figure out, was, wanted to discuss something with them. I don't know about what see if how they were learning. So he, the principal was standing in the front of the room and the teacher was concerned that the principal would see these names on the board and ask, why are their names on the board? What do they do wrong? So while the principal was talking, the teacher went to the blackboard and started rubbing with his suit off the names and all the kids are watching this so that the principal would not see the names. And then... As the teacher was walking around, everyone saw his entire back covered in the chalk. And they asked him, why did you do that? And he said, because under no circumstance would I want my, my, my students to be embarrassed in front of the principal. If they, it was supposed to be direct, you know, in front of, for you, for, for them, and not for anyone else, even the principal. And it's worth it not to embarrass someone in any you situation. You put the name... So when someone does something wrong in class, they write their name on the It board. was just his tactic. Some they, teachers they do a, different they things. They get a check mark for each Each, each class does no different something else. I haven't been in school in a while. I my name on the board but, before. That was embarrassing. Yeah, it's very embarrassing. Sometimes, though, it's, it's, you're deserving of it. Everyone's gotten their name on the board at least. Yeah, once. probably. Probably. Okay, Joel, what did you want to mention? No, I just wanted to ask if, if what one of the drive, drivers of Yosef to continue with the brothers was that he wanted to see the fulfillment of his dream that his brothers would bow down in front of him. You're saying like he was he wanted oh, the honor. That's a good question. He wanted the honor. He, he knew that no, they already he, did he, bow he, down to him. Oh, they had already bowed. Yeah, down. they bowed to him when they didn't when know it was Yosef. Okay, that's right. Um, there's Never the second mind. part when his father's going to come uh -huh. down, and that was the second dream that he had that his whole family was going to bow to him. But I don't think he was doing it in any way in order in order to to get this honor that was coming that he wanted. I don't see that in or any the way. Fulfillment of his dreams, basically. Are right. you allowed yeah. to cause a gentile a great embarrassment? You should not cause a Gentile to be embarrassed. So it it's not good for anyone. Oh, yeah. sure. Should never embarrass anyone. Okay, let's continue on. Good. Okay, so that's just an unbelievable lesson that you see that he was willing to risk everything in order not to embarrass someone. Okay, so then everyone heard and everyone's very excited. Um, oh, so I'm sorry, I didn't tell you what happened. Um, 
Let's read Pasa Gimel, verse 3. Vayomer Yosef el Achiv Ani Yosef. Yosef said to his brothers, he announced it, I am Yosef. Ha'od Avichai, is my father still alive? That was the first question he asked. His brothers were not able to respond. Because they were just so, you know, shocked. Yeah, Wait, shocked, rejected. It's like face, right? What? Is it Panav? Yeah, me, me Panav or from in front of him or his face. Yeah, but the word means in front of him also, oh, before him. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They could not, they had nothing to say. They were so shocked. They were so embarrassed, even without anyone else there. They were so embarrassed, the fact that they recognized when he said the words, he said the words, Ani Yosef. That's all he said. I said, I'm Yosef. He did not give them any musr. He did not give them any musr. He didn't say, you're crazy. You sold me into slavery. Look what you did. He didn't say any of that. How terrible could you be? All he said is, I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? An unbelievable thing. How could he do that? How could he do that? These brothers. Because he thought these brothers. How many years? 22 years. He's been in Egypt. He's been a slave. 12 years in, in jail. 22 years away because his brothers hated him and wanted him to be sold. And what did he respond to them when he saw them for the first time? I'm Yosef. Where's my father? Is my father still alive? That's all he said. Unbelievable. How is that possible? Why do you not tell them you're terrible people? Why do you not take revenge? Why do you not say something? Why did you not say our father? Oh, so he actually went back to his brothers. That's a good question. Wow. His brothers came to him, and he's talking to his brothers, and he said to them, I'm Yosef, I'm your brothers, but he did not say, why did you do that to me? No, because I was off my son. Oh, because why throw it in their face what they already know they did? Right, but he's so... Why, how, is he, how is it possible not to be angry? If you were in that situation, would you not be burning with anger at the fact that these people, these brothers of mine, have caused so much pain to me? He goes on to say that it was meant to be. Oh, exactly. Let's read that. Let's read that. Let's read Pasuk K. Let's read verse 5. Don't be upset. Don't be upset. Don't get angry. Don't feel bad that you sold me. Why? This was all Hashem's plan for me to give you food. This is all God's big plan. There's no reason to be upset. That is the way for a person to not get angry when things go wrong. And get angry when someone's driving um, and, you know, and... and and passes you or, or does something to you in a, that gets you, you know, road rage, rage is all about blaming the other person. What? You're not, you're not letting me go? You're not doing this for me? You, Yosef had zero anger. Why? Why should I be angry? This is what Hashem's plan was. This is, this is, the, this is, the, this is the, um, the classic definition of Hashkacha Pratis. Recognizing that everything in our lives happens for a reason. There's no reason to be angry. Why should I be angry about what that person's done to me? It wasn't nice of him to do it, but God wanted it to happen to me. Maybe that person, you know, should, didn't have to be the messenger of God to do it. It could have been someone else. 
But God wanted this to happen to me. There's no question about it. Because everything that happens, we believe, is directly because Hashem wants it to be. So if I had a bad day, and it's because my boss was screamed at me, why should I be mad at the boss? Yes, it wasn't nice. It wasn't appropriate. But it was because Hashem wanted me to have a bad day. There's no end. There's no... That's what we believe. That everything happens directly because of Hashem. So Yosef said, I don't have to be angry at you. There's no problems here. I have zero, zero reason to be upset. It's what Hashem wanted. Unbelievable level that you see from the level of Yosef. First of all, the fact that he didn't want to embarrass them at all, even willing to risk his life. And second of all, that he was willing, that he um, believed that they were on such, that they, that they didn't do anything wrong. I have no reason to be angry at you. The Chinuch says, you know, there's a mitzvah in the Torah, or uh, a losa say, it's forbidden for a person to take revenge. You can't do nakama. You can't take revenge. If a person um, does something to you, it's forbidden for you to take revenge and do something back to him because he did it to you. Right? Forbidden in the Torah. One of the, one of the mitzvahs in the Torah is do not take revenge. Right? Someone, um, someone um, um, threw a baseball through my window for no reason because he didn't like me. I have absolutely no right to throw a baseball through his window. I might be able to demand payment. You know, that's the law because he damaged me. But you cannot take revenge. Someone, you know, someone did something that you didn't like. You have no, said something inappropriate to you. You have no right to now go and say something inappropriate back to him. It's forbidden in the Torah. And the Chinuch, one of the, one of the um, commentators that explains the reasons for the mitzvah, says the reason for the mitzvah of not taking revenge is because we have to realize you can't take revenge against that person because you're basically taking revenge against God. Because God wanted that to happen. He was a messenger of God. That's not to say that when someone does something evil, that that person is not evil. When Hitler kills six million Jews, he's evil. And we could want to take revenge against the actions, but we have to recognize that it only happened because Hashem wanted it to happen. Everything that happens from the smallest to the biggest is only because Hashem wants it to happen. And it's a very difficult concept to actually internalize. It's easy to hear it, and to, re- and, to be- and to believe it's true, but to actually live your life like Yosef after his brothers coming to him, after all of that, to say, it's not a big deal. It's God's plan. That's an unbelievably high level. And that's why Yosef is such a tzaddik. That's why Yosef is such a tzaddik. Okay. Um, the Medrash also says something fascinating. He said the words, Ani Yosef, I'm Yosef. The Medrash says that people should learn a lesson that Yosef just said two words. He said, I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? And through just saying those two words, the brothers had such embarrassment. The brothers were so, you know, had this terrible feeling of the fact that they were, it's a, a rebuke. What's funny is that he mentioned, um, it's like, I'm Yosef. It's like he didn't say command. anything. He didn't say, I'm Yosef. It's like command. Right, he didn't have to say anything. And the Medrash says, get ready, says the Medrash, for the time that we are going to have to Talk to a God. And the day of judgment, every person is going to have a day of judgment in front of God, in front of Hashem. Every person at the end of their life, after 120 years, is going to have a judgment from Hashem. And we have to realize that Hashem is going to have a video camera of our entire life. Right? That's what the Chavetz Chaim actually says. Why, why 
there's created TV and videos was uh, I guess it was way in the beginning in the 1930s the first um, cameras anything he said now we could understand a little bit what it means that Hashem's gonna know all of our sins and have a picture of it in front of us and tell us exactly what we did because he's gonna have exactly a video of our entire life of everything that we did where there's gonna be no way to say that we were good when we sin because he's gonna have the video Nothing. Right, we can understand that now. Every single, you know, every time you walk outside, if a person has a ring, um, whatever the, you know, the ring, the doorbell that that videos you when you walk by, everything's on camera. Everything is every step that you take, they have a video of you, and that's what we have to realize. He said, "Ani Yosef." The brothers realized at that point they sinned. They were, and, and they did such a terrible thing to their brother. When we go to Hashem, we have to re- when we're going to all the day of judgment, we have to recognize that we are going to have this terrible feeling um, if we don't, you know, improve our lives. Okay, let's go on. Um, yeah, do you want to say that not to worry if you did chuva on it, don't not, that will not part, it won't be it won't be shown. As, won't be of shown course, as yeah, as of course. When you repent, the way to, to the way to prevent any. Um, um, bad judgment, of course, is to repent. When you when you do tshuva, then Hashem takes the sin and makes it into a into a mitzvah um, and and erases it completely. Yes, that's a good point. Okay, let's continue on. So they cry together. Yosef and Binyamin hug and they cry. Um, and he says, he tells his brothers, "Come, don't go. Um, come, get your father. Bring him down to the land of Egypt." Okay, so they go back to Israel, and Yaakov is con- Yaakov is so shocked and so convinced to come down after being ner- uh, um, being told by Hashem. So let's go to page two hundred and sixty. Two hundred and sixty, verse twenty-eight. Pasuk Chaf Ches in the bottom of two hundred and sixty. First, it talks about all the fit people that went down to the land of Egypt. There were 70 people all together that went down. 70 people, 70 Jewish people that went, that were part of the family at this time. If you see on page 261, there's the whole chart. Okay? Um, and Pasuk Chavches, verse 28 says, This is what the verse, the Pasuk I started with in the beginning. That Yaakov sent Yehuda. In the beginning, in order to establish a yeshiva in the land of Goshen, Vayevo Arts of Goshen. Vayasor Yosef, Pasachavtas, verse 29. Vayasor Yosef, Merkavto, Vayal Likras Yisrael Aviv Goshena. Vayere Elav, Vayipol Altsevarav, Vayev Chatsevarav Ode. So Yosef, Yosef harnesses chariot. And he goes to meet his father Yisrael, his father Yaakov, to land of Goshen. Vayira, he love, he appears to him. Vayi pull out Tzavarav, and he falls on his neck. Vayev chal Tzavarav od. And he cries. He cries. Yosef cries when he sees his father. Interestingly, it does not say anything about Yaakov crying. It doesn't say that Yaakov hugged him. It says that Yosef hugged his father and cried. It doesn't say that Yaakov um, cried at all. Just the Pasuk continues and says, and Yisrael, and Yaakov said, now I could die because I saw you. So the question is, what in the world's going on? 
Oh, oh, very good. Everyone knows. So what's going on here? For the people who don't know, why is it that Yosef is hugging him? Yosef is crying. Yosef seems to be so happy. And Yaakov doesn't return the gesture. He's, after not seeing his son for 22 years, he doesn't say, mention it. He, he doesn't hug him. He doesn't cry in his neck. So the commentaries tell us, you know why he wasn't crying? You know why he wasn't hugging him back? Was because Yaakov was in the middle of saying Shema. Exactly at the moment that he saw Yosef, he was saying Shema. And Yosef wasn't. So Yosef was hugging him, Yaakov was not. The question is, why at this moment, specifically, was Yaakov saying Shema? Of all the time, why did he find important to say Shema? Shema is important. To say it exactly at the moment he's meeting Yosef. Why? Yes, Mark. Because by meeting his father again and telling his father that he's alive, he, it is a great Well, Yosef, remember one second, before you continue, Yosef did not say Shema. This was Yaakov, the father. Yaakov said Shema because he knew that his son was alive and that if nothing else happened in his life, he would be satisfied with what God gave him. So he said Shema in the event that he would die tomorrow. Well, we say Shema every day. Right. Twice a day. We, we say Shema sh twice a day, right. in the morning and the evening. Right. So why did he choose to say it at this moment? Why couldn't he say it, you know, a few hours earlier, maybe an hour later, a few maybe minutes later? Maybe he wouldn't make it to evening. Maybe you thought, you're saying he was concerned that he was, was going to die. That, you're right. saying he was concerned that so he was going to die. He was so overwhelmed with having Are had you, some wish some prayer answered. I think you're on the right track, Mark. I think you're on the, onto something. I want to. I want to say maybe I'll. I'll. I'll Go ahead. Twist fine tune it, it a little bit. Yeah, this is what I want to. I want to. Tell me if this is what you mean. Tell me this. You mean. Some say it was the earliest moment of the obligation to say Shema. What a night in the morning. In the morning. It was the earliest moment as the sunrise is just peaking right before sunrise, and it was the earliest the proper time to say Shema. And that's why Yaakov was saying that. So why was Yosef not? Some say this is a halachic reason that when a person is doing a mitzvah, they don't do another mitzvah. Yosef mitzvah, mitzvah, mitzvah. mitzvah. Right. So Yosef, who was honoring his father, Kibbut Avayim, was one of the commandments, ten, you know, the Ten Commandments, to honor your father and mother, he had an obligation to go ahead and hug him. The father, Yaakov, who did not have that obligation, that's like a halachic thought. But the others say, tell me, Mark, if this is what you meant, this is what they say, this is the morale from Prague says, that when a person has an unbelievable, happy occasion like this, this is an unbelievable thing for Yaakov after all the terrible suffering and pain, 22 years without his child, thinking that he was dead, to have this unbelievable simcha, this unbelievable happiness. At this point, there's no greater time to say Shema. It wasn't the, the Shema of an obligation that he was saying. This was a Shema of thanks to Hashem. And to recognize, when we say Shema, we're recognizing that my love for Hashem is greater than all other love. Right. It, it, There's no love greater than the love for, for, for Hashem. And therefore, I'm saying Shema to recognize that I know that just like all the pain and suffering came from you, Hashem, so too all the good that comes from me. Because all that Hashem does is for the good. Every single thing. Re um, I believe we learned that, that we say Mariv based on the learnings of Yaakov. And Yaakov established Mariv, right. Right, so, to, oh, but this was in the morning, right? Yeah. Well, 
yeah, I, I understand the mitzvah and the mitzvah. I think you're right. This is worse. So the, the morale is saying this was not a shema because he was obligated. Right. This is a like shema a because a when shema. I... What? Was it a shema of gratitude? A shema of gratitude, but also a recognition. Right. A recognition that Hashem is in charge of the world. Because everything comes from Him. And, and this is my greatest love is Hashem. Everything that I'm going to do is for Hashem. No matter what. Right? No matter the good, the bad, we recognize that everything that happens in our life is directly because of Hashem. And this is the famous thing that we find by Rabbi Akiva. We all know Rabbi Akiva was one of the ten martyrs. He was killed by the Romans for being a Jew. And he was killed. And at the last second, right before he was killed, he wanted to say Shema. He wanted to say Shema. And that's because we want to recognize that I'm willing to do everything. I'm willing to risk my life. I'm willing to die for the Shema, because I believe that that's the most important thing, and believe that I'm doing everything for my love for Hashem. And that's why Yaakov, at this moment of seeing his son, is so happy, recognizing that every single thing that comes from Hashem. I, I saw an interesting thing in the name of Rav Hutner. Rav Hutner says, you know, if a person wins the lottery, they're very happy that they won I don't know, $50, billion, $50 million. Today it's 221. Okay, so he won 221. I think that's good enough. Um, it'll be, 22. Uh, it'll okay. be, 22. You'll be pretty happy to win those millions of dollars. But when you win, are you going to cry from happiness? Yeah. I don't know. You're going to cry from all the tsars. Okay, you might have tsars. After, after you lose all the money, you might have tsars. Yeah. But Rav Hunter says, we don't find, it's not, the, the, if you look at, the, if you look at um, human beings, they don't cry when something happy happens, except when it comes from pain. When there's pain and suffering first, and then there's happiness, that's when a person cries. Because the, the simcha, the happiness that comes after something difficult is, such a, is, a, is a greater joy, a greater joy. So he says that we find uh, you know, people, it's common when someone marries off a child, um, there's, you know, you'll, you'll see people crying a lot, and it's the concept of you know I raise this or someone that has a baby after all that hardship and waiting and pain and suffering. That's when the happiness comes. So, 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 so the same thing applies. This that we that, that we recognize that we have so much after all this pain. Yaakov had Yosef had all this pain. There's a crying and there's a recognition. There's so much simcha now. When we have so much happiness, we have to um, recognize that it's all from Hashem and give our tov to Hashem and thank Hashem and recognize that everything that happens is because of Hashem. And that's why Yosef, like we started from, had no need to, to be angry at his brothers because I recognize that it's all from Hashem every single step of the way. I mean, we all know what happens at the Holocaust. You know, before you be put in ovens, whatever, or killed. Exactly, exactly. The people died al Kiddush Hashem because they recognized that, yes, you know, our end is near, but we realized that we're only being killed because we're a Jew. For that's the only reason we're being killed, because we're a Jew and we are willing to sanctify God's name at the last moment before we're killed because we know that this is just the, this world, that we're coming to a much better world, the world to come, and we are, and we are dying because we're a Jew. And there's nothing greater than that. So Shema is, the, is what we say at all times, 
good and bad because we are recognizing that everything is from Hashem, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's all for a reason. We may not understand the reason, but Yosef sees at the end, I see the reason and I recognize that everything that happened is for the good, everything that's happened is for is in Hashem's plan with Ashkacha Pratis, and that's our job in life is to recognize that everything that happens is the hand of Hashem. Thank you and have a good night.